You are listening to the Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I got me a game room set up. Bringing Bob Nightingale. If we do play baseball, who would be the favorite to win it all this year? I think the Dodgers are loaded. I love that Mookie Betts trade. When baseball comes back, I don't know how my fans are going to be jumping all over the Astros. It's like, with all we, we've gone through, are we really going to boo these guys? Do we really care that much about baseball cheating? And now, from the Mercedes Man Cave, this is Dan Patrick. Hour two on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Glad to be part of your life. We got uh, the Danettes on remote, Fritzy McLovin and Seton at home. Paulie's in front of me, and the boys in the back are holding down the fort as we uh, try to plow through all of this. A couple of things going on. Oklahoma State head football coach Mike Gundy has been widely criticized for saying that he plans to start his football program May 1st. To be clear, Gundy didn't say that he was going to do that in a vacuum. He said it depended on the widespread ability to test. And still, Gundy is running into the same problem several sports officials are having. And that's putting a date on something that is out of our control. And I understand part of it. Sports is a business. Let's make no mistake about that. College football, big business here. There is an urgency to get back to being normal. It'd be a huge morale boost for the country. I get that. But right now, it's hard to think that any schedule is going to be able to hold a lot of weight. You listen to the experts, they don't know. They're clear on one thing. We don't know where this is going. And that's the experts saying this. So people in the world of sports certainly don't know. No matter what Mike Gundy's intentions are or were, there's too much unknown to pin down any date other than to say, we'll get back as soon as we can. Here is Mike Gundy, the Oklahoma State head coach, talking about May 1st. We have to have a plan, and the plan right now is for that to start on May 1st. It might get backed up two weeks. I don't know. I can't make that call. And uh, Gundy also had this to say about his employees and his players. I'm thinking in three or four weeks we could have the test ready available for people that aren't sick based on can we test the employees, the 100 people that work in our building, and we can swab them and clear them to come into the building and get back to work. Once we've done that, I'm looking to start testing the players and bring them back. Gundy's pushing for something different. Now, these aren't professional players. Through all of this, you know what I'm amazed about is we sort of treat the athlete like he's disposable. Like, this is for us. Hey, do this for us. Hey, get out there and do this for us. I, you, you have to start thinking about the athletes as well. These are the student athletes, or as I call them, athletic students. Let's you know, not go down that silly semantics road here. They're uh, student athletes here. No, they're athletic students is what they are. Gundy said that, you know, if I can get them out there, you're a college coach, you're always looking for an advantage. You're always looking to try to get, you know, ahead of the competition. I understand all of that. You can think these things of when you want them to come back. I think he got into trouble because he verbalized this. It's, if it's too dangerous for colleges to open their doors to students this fall, or even now, then it's, it's dangerous for football programs to think they can be up and running on campus as well. It just is. So as much as he wants to do this, uh, Dana White wants to hold UFC bouts somewhere, talking about an island, maybe an Indian reservation where there's no rules there. But, uh, you know, the WWE is still holding events 
where guys are wrestling with each other. Now, no fans there. So we're, we're starting to see a little bit of this, but we're, we're, we got cabin fever. We want normalcy. We, you know, the president has told the commissioners, hey, you know, let's, let's try to push this. Uh, baseball's ambitious, trying to get back. The NBA doesn't know what it's doing. Golf, you know, let's push everything to the fall. I understand that. But there's other things that are far more important that will eventually get to sports where everybody's safe or safer or protected. I don't know if anybody's going to go to a game, want to go to a game. What, you know, we cordon off everybody. Baseball in Arizona, which I don't think is practical. Ambitious, but not practical. You can think these things. It's just when baseball leaked this to ESPN, they wanted to see what the reaction was. That's what happened. And now we're going, oh, we're going to have baseball. They're going to be in Arizona. Everybody's going to move there. Players are going to be, you know, quarantined for four months away from their families. No, they're not. I don't see this happening. I don't think the NBA is happening. I think college and pro football will probably be delayed a little bit here. We'll have golf eventually. It, it feels like we could have golf now if we if we wanted to, or at least close to that. But getting players tested, you know, we're trying to get enough tests for people. People are dying. People are sick. I don't need a test for Rory McIlroy so he can get out and, you know, play 18. I like that we think, you know, this is what makes us a great society. We do think. We think of different things. But, you know, using that brain power for something more important is what needs to happen, not, hey, May 1st, we're planning on getting out there at Oklahoma State. Okay, good luck with that. Yeah, Paul. I think you nailed it. I don't think people have a problem with someone having a plan or putting steps in place when things clear up, air quotes. But for him to say it now, it's like, Okay, keep your plan to yourself and don't go forward with it. And But people are looking for people to jab in situations like this. Well, you just don't want to be careless. If Dana White wants to have fighters who fly into a remote island, he wants to do this. And I think there's a bigger picture here with you know Dana White uh, with UFC. I, you know, I, I think that it, this is basically money because – they were, they were bought for, what, $4 billion? And I'm going to guess that those people would like to have some money back. You know, they want to get some money back on their investment. And every day, every weekend that goes by, you're not getting money on your investment there. Now, if you can do this and you want to put it out there and you want to be able to have fights and you want to do it on an Indian reservation or you want to do it on a remote island, okay. If these fighters know going in, what's at risk? Okay. But I'm guessing Dana White is a uh, you know big supporter of Donald Trump. Donald Trump getting all the commissioners together, and you know his message was probably let's start to push this a little bit. And Dana White is probably doing what the president wants him to do. Let's try to push to get back to normalcy. And I just think we're at a dangerous time right now. Two weeks from now, let's see. We know how this changes every week, day to day, hour to hour. And New York had its biggest jump in deaths so far in one day. That was yesterday. We don't know what's happening and how how big it's going to get. Maybe it does level off. And then we can start to make some inroads on this. But until then, 
Mike Gundy should not be talking about playing football on May 1st. You can hope, but you can't you just can't do this. Can't do it. And I you know, he was he was criticized and and rightfully so because it feels careless. These are kids. They're not paid. And we're going to hey, you guys get out there. Okay? The guys who are getting paid aren't out there. But those athletic students, let's get them out there. Come on, guys. Let's go. Who's with me? Yeah, I'm pulling. It's interesting because Mike Gundy, until now, is always considered this kind of fun-loving guy who had some wild press conferences and a great mullet. Yeah. He really hasn't dipped his toe into this stuff too often, at least on the national level. I like Mike Gundy. I think he's a character. But I just think he's wrong in this situation. It, it, it you know, You can't be careless with this. Because players will do what their coach is asking them to do. And that's where the coach has to be cautious with them. It, let's say your kids are at Oklahoma State. Wherever they are, getting to campus. So campus isn't safe for students. But somehow, because you're an athlete, you're not going to be affected by this. And they'll probably use this against him in recruiting. You know, if I'm at Oklahoma or you know one of the other Big 12 schools and I'd be like, you don't want to go there. He didn't care about you. He wanted to bring these kids back during the coronavirus. And like, who knows? As cutthroat as that is. But um, I think there's some real issues there. Also, I saw where some people are saying, what's the big deal about a virtual draft? Isn't it always a virtual draft? It's always by remote. Well, this is a pro football focus, Sam Monson. He says, drafts are always remote. Well, okay, but... Sam, I'm sure, understands that you get everybody in one room on remote. Getting the pick in is not the hard part here, folks. The hard part is connecting with your staff. When somebody goes, oh, my gosh, this guy fell on our lap. Do we want him? you got 15, 20 guys in a war room. And, and uh, you right there, you can talk to one another. Now, because it's you know via remote, now I got to call you, and maybe he's got to call somebody. That's the mess that all of this is. And let's say the clock is winding down. You got four minutes to go, and somebody says, All right, we want to trade with the Lions. We want to move up. We, uh, now I have to have a group conversation. So now Matt, Patricia, and his staff have to get together and go, Okay, what do we want here? That's the problem with this. Not that it's via remote, we know it's everybody's in their war rooms. But everybody is in their war rooms. That's the key. Sam Monson of uh, Pro Football Focus says, all that needs to change is add one more conference call line for teams to communicate internally as well as to the league, hardly testing the very limits of our technological capability. Uh, He also goes on to say, people realize the NFL draft is already remote. It's not like they uh, held the thing in a giant gymnasium with everyone in attendance. I just think trying to get everybody, and if you have a conference call, okay, great. But I do think the technological part of this could play a role. Hopefully it doesn't, but it could play a role. Also, I'm told they're going to do a rehearsal draft. That all the teams will do a rehearsal draft. I was told some teams were already doing that or in the process of rehearsing how they will disseminate information with each other, where they will be, and getting in touch. Yeah, I had somebody say yesterday, you know, people think the Cowboys got an unfair advantage because 
Jerry Jones is with his son. And I go, okay. <laughs> wow, that's, that's quite an advantage. I don't think everybody, anybody viewed that as an advantage before that Jerry Jones and his son were together. Peter King brought this up in his column on Monday. And he talked about the, would the Dolphins, would it be smart to go up and get uh, Joe Burrow? And it, would it be smart for the Bengals to take that offer of three number ones this year and a number one next year, let's say. And, and you know, Peter points out both sides to this, that if the Dolphins truly think he is that exceptional, that special, then okay, go get your franchise quarterback. If the Bengals think we can find somebody as good, if they like Justin Herbert, maybe not as much, but if I can get four number ones, I still go back to the same thought process I have when we talk about these trades. It's one thing to have draft picks. It's another thing to use them wisely because Cleveland Browns had draft picks and they didn't do well with those draft picks. The teams that had the draft picks and they used them correctly, then I would feel like if, if, if the Bengals front office is great with drafting, then I would feel confident in saying, all right, guys, I'm going to give you four number ones here that you can play with three this year and one next year, and we're going to trade Joe Burrow. Because I would have the confidence in my team to say, we're going to keep Andy Dalton in place, and we're going to go out and get three starters this year and another one next year, and we're going to be a fuller team. But if I don't have confidence in my front office, it doesn't matter how many picks you have. It's what you do with them. And that's what's always lost on people. We'll talk to Daniel Jeremiah he covers the NFL draft. He'll be uh, part of I don't even know if he's going to be at home during the draft with uh, NFL Network. So we'll talk to Daniel Jeremiah. He'll join us coming up. If you'd like to watch, you can on YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show, or you can listen if you'd like. The DP Show store open for business. We have uh, a lot of new T-shirts there. The Quarantine This T-shirt, Tampa <laughs> Bay, plus the Beer Here T-shirt. That's to help aid hourly and surface uh, service industry workers who have been impacted by the uh, pandemic. Go to danpatrick.com to check those out. We spoke a little bit about what Howard Stern and Tom Brady are going to talk about. They uh, have had a conversation, I think, for a couple hours on Howard's uh, Sirius Satellite channel. And I didn't think Brady would dish too much. And uh, if I'm knowing Howard, Howard wants to know about Giselle. Paulie, do you have anything from Tom Brady? Are they done talking? Uh, I don't think they're done. It was, I think they're two hours in, but the, the clip that's going around, Howard asked Tom of kind of when he thought, when he first thought that uh, he'd be done in with the Patriots. Okay. I don't think there was a final, final decision, you know, until it happened. But I would say I probably knew before the start of last season that it was my last year. And I and tried you, to, you know, I, I, but, I knew that, you know, it was just, our time was, you know, it's, it, you know, our time was, was coming to an end. So he knew before the start of last season. But the indications were there. We chose not to read them. Puts his house up for sale. Adjust his contract. His trainer, business partner, put his house up for sale. So Brady was basically saying, I'm preparing to not be here. Next season. We ignored it because we're thinking, why would he leave? Got a great chance to win. He'd be crazy to leave. Where's he going to go? And then all of a sudden you go, he's leaving. He's gone. He's now with Tampa. 
So he he was telling us all along. It was right there in front of us. And I kept thinking he has to go back. Even though he may not like this man, he does respect this coach with getting the best out of him and giving him another chance to win. What I didn't gauge is the same thing that I went through at ESPN and people had a hard time gauging. Why would you leave ESPN? And I said, I wasn't having fun anymore. It was that it was just that simple. I wanted I wanted to just have fun and do something on my own. This might not be about winning for Brady as much as having fun playing and then maybe winning. His legacy set, no matter what happens here in Tampa, it, it's not going to be, you know, sullied, soiled. Seaton, yes? Right up until, I don't know, when did Tom Brady sign? Like two weeks ago, three yeah. weeks ago, whatever. Right up until that moment, I thought the idea of Tom Brady leaving New England was the dumbest thing <laughs> I had ever heard in my entire life. And anyone reporting it was just like throwing garbage out into the air. Yeah. Paulie lost $500. Five sheets. Yeah. It's the dumbest thing I'd ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, McLovin. Yeah, I'm with you guys. I honestly didn't buy it until the very end. But Tom Curran, I feel like, was way ahead of the curve on this. He must have known something, right? Yes, he did. Him and Jeff Darlington. I go back to, I don't know how many weeks ago. Is it five weeks ago that I sent a text message to Tom Curran? And I said, Brady's going to go back to the Patriots. I'll bet you anything. And he goes, name it. And I went, ooh. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> Scoreboard. Oh, name it. And I went, okay, maybe maybe he's not going back there. Yeah. So Brady is uh, there with Howard. And I don't know what, you know, I'm sure Howard's got a lot of, because you know, he's very curious, but I don't know if you're going to get Brady to spill on Deflategate or Giselle or any of that. You know, it's not that, that uh, Howard won't ask, but I, I just, I can't see Tom doing that. Yeah, McLevin. We put up the poll. What would you most like to know? Tom Brady answer truthfully. And Bill Belichick is like 70% over Deflategate and Giselle. Everyone wants to know about Belichick. I sort of know about Deflategate, I think. And I think it's, it's a silly rule. But, you know, if you're going to lie to the commissioner or, you know, whatever, then you're going to pay a price. But it, I think that quarterbacks should be able to have a football to their liking. I couldn't care less with that. Uh, the Belichick part of this is always fascinating. I think it'll always be fascinating because I don't think we'll get answers. I just don't. You show up for work and you know that person makes you better. And has helped make, and, and look, it's reciprocated. You know, Brady, Belichick knows that guy made me the greatest coach of all time. That guy helped me be the greatest coach of all time. But the mutual admiration society, it felt like there was always about Three minutes every year when they won a Super Bowl where you felt like they're showing emotion. They're hugging each other. And that's it. So that's worth all of that friction that you may have, that not animosity, but you feel like you're just not respected. And you get those three minutes where you're hugging at the Super Bowl and you feel like, hey, that was worth it. And then I think Brady just got to the point and said, I want to play two more years but I'm going to do something different. Firmly established, greatest quarterback of all time. I got nothing to prove. And anybody who thinks, oh, he's got a lot to prove here, I think Belichick has more to prove than Brady does. Because Brady, we're going to give a little more leniency to going to the Buccaneers. First year, what do you expect? I think they're a playoff team. 
And if you just take away the mistakes there, what they had last year with Jameis, then they're probably a 10-win team. They're a playoff team last year. They have talent there, pretty good nucleus there, firm up the offensive line, and I think you can have some fun in that division. Carolina's on a rebuild. Atlanta feels like they plateaued. Saints are going to be very good. But Belichick, all right, you got rid of him. You didn't want him. Jared Stidham, all right, let's see what you got. Now, maybe you look at the AFC East and say, Buffalo's good, but the Dolphins getting better, the Jets are the Jets. All right, you probably pencil in 10 wins for them, even if they have Jared Stidham. But I think Bill's got more to prove than Tom does. Take a break here. Daniel Jeremiah, he'll be covering the NFL draft for the NFL Network. He'll join us coming up. Hank Aaron, he will join us coming up top of next hour. And Sabrina Ionescu, the Oregon All-American basketball player, will join us as well. Your phone calls are welcome, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Twitter handle at dpshow. 21 after the hour, this is the Dan Patrick Show. You check things all the time, email, Instagram, but what about checking something as important as your credit? Discover makes it quick and easy. And best of all, it's free. Discover is offering FICO credit scores, the score used by 90% of top lenders, and you get that for free. And even if you're not a customer, checking your score won't hurt your credit. You can check each month for changes. The Discover Credit Scorecard. It's free for everyone. Also, you can learn about that Discover Credit Card. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Daniel Jeremiah, star of the NFL Network, network uh, analyst there, Chargers color analyst, and uh, worked with the Ravens, Browns, and Eagles as a scout. You can see, Daniel, the path to the draft Monday through Friday at 8 Eastern on NFL Network. Daniel, where are you right now? I am I am in the family room, Dan. There's a puzzle that's been about 80% complete next to me for the last four weeks that is yet to be completed. And, uh, and I'm just sitting out here by myself. My kids are all still asleep because... Apparently we're in night school over here where uh, they finish up like at 11 and then, uh, and then go to bed. Where are you going to be doing the draft from in your house? I'll be in my office, which is about uh, 15 paces away. I, I was going to do, you know how Corden does like the uh, carpool karaoke, like get a ride to work. I was going to do one for myself from my closet to my office, but the episode would last about six <laughs> seconds. So I didn't think it would be all that good. I know that people are looking at this virtual draft and saying that this should be easy to pull off because the teams are on remote anyway, but you can have conference calls or, you know, you can have a conference call line there, but if you were part of, you know, one of the scouts for one of these teams, like what could you see as a possible hiccup with this aside from just, you know, technologically, if a line goes down or the internet goes down? Well, I I would say there's, there's some people that you talk to that have not, not really any concerns at all. And there's others that are concerned. And I've been in, in draft rooms where it's done differently. Dan, I think the, if you're doing it right in terms of you know how you stack the board, where you are with medical information on players, 
Um, all that stuff should be done ahead of time. So, I mean, literally, you, you're in the room and you, your general manager has the list, the order of the players. You know the kind of guys you'd want to trade up for. Um, those have been highlighted. All that hay is in the barn, and so it's a little bit easier to pull off. But there are other teams where you'll be on the clock and they'll ask the doctor, well, do you really think we shouldn't take this guy? Like, whoa, that decision should have been made a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. We don't need to be talking about that now. So. Uh, I think that's that's the difference between those. But the the one area that everybody agrees will be a little bit tricky, and that's why I think they're going to scrimmage it, is is the trades. Um, but again, I think this is going to place a greater importance on getting that uh, worked out or ironed out now. And people will say, "Well, how you can't do that? You don't know what's going to happen." Well, you can because if I'm picking 17 and I'm the Cowboys, I would call every team that's picking ahead of you before the draft starts and just say, hey, under a scenario where there's a player that we want that's in your pick and you are not happy what's, with what's there and you would look to get back, let's work out what that parameters of that trade would look like. And you're going to get that all down now. Um, so then if that pops up, you don't have to start at the very beginning of the process because I just think it would be very difficult to pull off. Which team do you think changes the draft? I think Miami is the team because they hold all the cards with as many picks as they have. And the fact that they need a quarterback, um, you know, will they try and go up or will they be patient and sit and wait at number five to see who falls to them? Um, that to me, that changes the complexion of the draft. And it's, it's really interesting because right behind them, you have the chargers and those two teams are the two that, uh, you know, along with the Bengals are the quarterback team. So, um, that, that to me, Miami kind of holds some keys there to what happens. I had a source tell me yesterday, don't get played by, you know, these rumors of the Dolphins are interested in Justin Herbert. Uh, and, and I said, hey, I'm, I'm just reporting what some people are yeah. reporting. Do you believe the Dolphins, if I ask them right now, who are you interested in, most interested in it? Do you think they have a definitive answer? Um. I, you know, I, I would always say my gut says yes, that, that Chris Greer knows what they're going to do. Um, but there's there's been reports in the past of teams deciding, you know, two days before the draft, which is crazy to me. Um, but I, I know Chris a little bit, and I think he would have that he would have that answer by this point in time. All I, all I say on the Herbert Tua thing is, you know, I, I've talked to people that are very connected inside that building, and they say there is support for Tua and there is support for Herbert. And I think that the Tua medical thing is what kind of puts a wrench in it. If, if Tua was 100% healthy, my, you know, I would probably go with, okay, this Herbert stuff is smokescreen. But the fact that it's a, it's a different case um, with his health. So uh, that's why I, I actually buy into the fact that I think Herbert's in play there. I do too, because I'm just looking at this logically, which is probably the wrong approach, and that is, you don't know about Tua. There, it's a, there's a great unknown, and if you're going to move up to get him, or if I take somebody who I think is the sure thing, then, you know, or at least he's healthy. Justin Herbert doesn't have a trail of injuries like Tua does. If they're both, you know, healthy, then Tua's going to the Dolphins, I would imagine. But it feels like every year you have the rise and fall of quarterbacks. You know, a couple of weeks ago, it was Jordan Love. Then you had Justin Herbert who was getting it. Now it's Tua, the rise and the fall with Tua. Joe Burrow has separated himself from this, but it feels like every draft, we build up a, a quarterback and then we start to tear him down a little bit before the draft. No, I, I think there's something to that. And I, I would say I compared the Dolphins' decision. You know, if you have Tua and Herbert, 
um, remember the show, I guess it's still on. Let's make a deal. Like, I, I don't, I don't think that, uh, you know, I don't think Herbert has this incredible, incredible upside. I've compared him to like the dishwasher where it's, you can see the dishwasher. It's a nice dishwasher. You're not necessarily in love with the dishwasher, but you know what it is. Uh, that's Herbert. And then two is what's behind the curtain. And you don't know if that's a week vacation to Bahamas or a broom. Um, you know, that's why it's the known versus the unknown. <laughs> I, I want I want honest answers here. I want I want you to tell me the downside to Joe Burrow is what he does not have a huge arm. Um, and if you were going to say what would the concern be, well, you know, some people will say the handful of games you might play in really bad weather in Cincinnati in that division um, that that would be a challenge for him. Uh, I don't tend to see that as an issue. I think his other his other attributes are so off the charts. Um, you know, accuracy, decision-making, poise. He can create plays. He's got the best vision uh, of any quarterback I've seen. You know, that, that to me is what makes him special, his ability to see the whole field. So uh, you're going to run a system that fits him. You're not going to just throw him into any system and have him be successful, but you had the blueprint last year with what they did at LSU. And uh, I think that Zach Taylor has the capabilities of, of implementing what he does with mixed with what LSU did, and I think it would be a perfect fit. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst. He'll be working the draft with uh, our buddy Rich Eisen on the NFL Network in conjunction with ESPN. The downside to Justin Herbert is? He just, he's, he's a little bit robotic, and there's not as much natural playmaking with him. In other words, when it's, when it's on time, in rhythm, uh, on script, I think he's, you know, he's a good quarterback. That's why I like him going to a place that can run the football, uh, play action, and he'll be successful. But it, he's not going to sit back there and, and, uh, and carve you up uh, with, with bodies coming in his face. He's not going to be able to um, use his athleticism and creativity to make a lot of plays that way. Even though he's really athletic, there's a difference between being athletic and being creative, and he's just not very creative as a football player. But you are getting somebody that's incredibly intelligent and is, uh, is going to be, uh, again, I say a high floor, Dan. I think you, you know exactly what you're getting with him. Aside from the injuries with Tua, what would be the big negative for you? Um, you know, he's, he's, well, he's not the biggest guy in the world, so there's some size stuff there. Uh, but, man, I don't know. There's not a lot to, to hit on him that, that's negative because, you know, again, I keep coming back to decision-making, accuracy, poise. Like, he's, he's so good in those key, key areas. Uh, he's, I talked to a GM the other day that said he's the, you know, not like we've had a long era of this, but he said he's the best RPO quarterback that I've ever seen. You know, just ball handling, you know, get the ball out. He, he'll hit those slants a zillion times over. Um, as NFL has started to incorporate more and more of the RPO game, this guy's got a master's degree in that. Jordan Love. He's the best natural thrower in the draft. If you had a game of horse between all the quarterbacks, he would win. Because he can make any throw from any platform, you know, falling away. He can do any arm angle. He can do any of that stuff. Um, but it, but the, I keep again. I go through that same formula when I'm putting the final touches on the grades for these guys. And um, although you, you account for the number of starters that were lost, you account for the new system. I get all that. But decision making was just not good this year. And and that to me is is what you worry about a little bit going forward. He's got to clean that up. He needs more time than these top four quarterbacks. Um, he's, he's the fourth one for me now, but to me, the, uh, if he goes to the right spot, then he has, he has the most ability. Do you think the chargers are, would they make a big move here to move up to get to him? 
I, I think they could, and, and, and that's from, you know, not working there or talking to people there. That's just from observing how they were in free agency. Um, not notoriously super aggressive in free agency, and they were, you know, they were all in on the Tom Brady thing. And then they went out and were aggressive signing some other players with Chris Harris, and um, they did a nice job going out and getting Brian Balaga to try and upgrade the offensive line. Um, so it just seemed like an aggressive approach. So if you're going to be aggressive in free agency – that leads me to believe you'd be willing to be aggressive in the draft, and everybody in the league knows what the position they need to address. So uh, that, to me, is why I think I could see them being aggressive to move up. Do you think the Redskins were ever interested in a quarterback? I, I don't. I don't know. I, to me, it seems like this is a fairly easy decision for them because they have Haskins, who has a lot of ability, and you have another quarterback you just traded to bring over there, who they like as a coaching staff. Um, and Kyle Allen. So you've got two guys. Nothing's really de- decided there. And then, and then where you are, you don't have a really clean. You know, with Tua with the injury, assuming Burrow's gone, it's not like he's the cleanest quarterback. Um, so why not try and figure out what you have in your own building? And oh yeah, by the way, bring in the best player in the draft, um, who's going to give you one of the one of the best defensive lines in all of football for Ron Rivera uh, and Jack Del Rio. I mean, that to me. Uh, that just seems like an easy one. Just take Chase Young and, and get let this quarterback thing breathe for a little bit. Yeah, but I don't know if this makes sense to you, but if Kyle Allen beats out Dwayne Haskins, does then that mean that the Redskins should have taken Tua? If, if, if Dwayne Haskins can't beat out Kyle Allen, then are they making a mistake? Well, I think that's a fair argument, although it would be on brand to have the Redskins have a later-round quarterback beat out the, <laughs> the first-round quarterback. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my, look, my thing is, Dan, I know it, it's, it's the most important position, and you've got to get that figured out. If Tua was clean, then I, would, I could make that case and say, look, he's better than what you have. Just take him. Um, but, but because of some of the injury stuff, and there's a little bit of a question mark there, Chase Young's just too good. Yeah, it's I agree. Second most important, it's the second most important position in football is who can get to the quarterback. And you have an elite player just falling in your lap right here. Just take him. Uh, I'll leave you with this. If you could get a totally honest answer with Tom Brady on any topic, Deflategate, Bill Belichick, Robert Kraft, or something else, or other, what would you want to know about? Oh, I, I would. This is, can be kind of a weird question, but I would say, um, how many? You know, t- put him on. If we put you on one of the, uh, like, let's say, I, because I work there, Tom. If you were the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens with their personnel, how many Super Bowls would you have won there? Hmm. I, I bet you, if he told the truth, he'd say ten. <laughs> really. <laughs> I mean, look at the personnel, Dan. Compare the personnel of those two teams outside of the quarterback position for that for the 2000s decade. Like, I don't. I think they would. He would won ten Super Bowls. Wow. 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 Okay. So, I mean, you put you got you've got you know, just people may forget about this, but you've got you've got the arguably the greatest middle linebacker of all time, arguably the greatest free safety of all time. You've got. Terrell Suggs is probably a Hall of Famer. You've got Haloti Nada, who's a perennial pro bowler. You've got Chris McAllister. Um, you've got the one top three left tackle in NFL history in, in, in John, Jonathan Ogden. A Hall you've of Fame tight end. Rusher. Yeah, uh, you've got a Hall of Fame tight end, plus his backup, Todd Heap, was a perennial pro bowler, a 2,000-yard rusher. Um, you don't think Tom Brady would have won? I, I, I think he would have won 10 Super Bowls. I don't think that's crazy. <laughs> he won six with the guys they had in New England. I <laughs> know. 
you just blew my mind there. That's going to go viral here, Daniel. That that one, that's pretty good. And and you worked yeah. with the Ravens. Yeah, we saw. I mean, we 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 you know we couldn't beat them. I and we we would look at the rosters on on paper and go, ah, oh, we feel pretty good about every everyone but this guy. And uh, that's we good. Stop him. That's good stuff. Hey, it's great to check in with you. Hopefully, we'll uh, talk to you prior to the draft again. Uh, if not, have fun. I'll be texting you probably during the draft. Oh, you're the best, Dan. I appreciate you, bud. Thank you, Daniel. Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst, Chargers color analyst. You know, when he first got the job, when Mayock left, you know, during I waited during the commercials, and I would just send him a text. And he was basically just saying, you're killing it. He's, he did a great job. Uh, you know, he, he, he does a great job. He doesn't make it about him. He makes it about the people that he's analyzing. But uh, NFL Network, uh, path to the draft, Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network. I think that that quote's going to go viral here that Daniel Jeremiah said Brady would have won 10 Super Bowls if he was with the ball. When you start to look at the personnel the Ravens had, and I think you can make a case the Ravens have had more talent in the last 20 years than maybe any other franchise. A lot of talent. All right, we'll take a break. Back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. Over 100,000 have voted for the uh, second round, the Mesquite 16, and uh, we'll have some of the closer matchups for you. You got till Saturday, I believe, to vote on the uh, Mesquite 16. Then we move on to the Elite Eight. Make sure you check out the DP Show store. A lot of great stuff there. And, of course, the Beer Here t-shirts. Different team colors there. They help aid hourly and service industry workers who have been impacted by the pandemic. Go to danpatrick.com to check them out. All the money from those Beer Here t-shirts will go to that cause. Daniel Jeremiah saying something interesting there. If Brady played his career in Baltimore, they would have won 10 Super Bowls. McLovin, I noticed that you weren't thrilled with that comment by Daniel Jeremiah. Well, he's a personnel guy. He thinks drafting the right players is what what wins Super Bowl, and it's been proven time and time again that that's not true. The Patriots aren't even a good drafting team. They've won six. It's coaching, system, and everything going together. So you're saying the draft is not important? It's important, but, I mean, is Bill Belichick a great drafter? No. Is he the, do they win every year? Because they get them in their system and they, they just coach them up. How many Super Bowls do you think Brady would have if, if he went to Baltimore with that talent? So they won one, right? Or did they, they won one. He wasn't, well. They won one with Dilfer and then they won one with Joe Flacco. So I would say five, not 10. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because <laughs> that's still pretty good. They're pretty good. Yeah. But Ozzie Newsom is an amazing guy. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. But, but I mean, Daniel Jeremiah did make a great point. You got arguably the best center and linebacker to ever play the game. You got one of the great left tackles to ever play the game. You had Shannon Sharp there as your tight end. You had a 2,000 yard rusher at one point. You had uh, Haloti Nada up front. Uh, you know, they. They had a lot of talent there. Yeah, Paul. Question for the room. If you could go back 20 years and hire Bill Belichick or draft Tom Brady, you can only do one. You're a, just a franchise. 
You don't you own a franchise. You get those two choices in a hypothetical. I'd take Bill Belichick. I'd take Belichick. Anybody uh, want to weigh in on that? Todd? I'd go Belichick for sure. As, as great as Tom Brady is, what Belichick does with him and everyone else, got to go coach. Seton O'Connor, Jr. the third, Patriot fan? It's not even close. You're going Belichick. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. McLovin, you feel that way? I'd go Belichick. I think that's a great poll question. I'm curious if everyone feels that way. If Tom, had, he, Tom famously said, if I was in Arizona, I wouldn't have been this great quarterback, maybe. He told me 15 years ago, if he had gone in the first round, he doesn't even know if he'd still be in the league because the ex- he wasn't ready to play in the expectation level with first-round draft picks. Now, it was different back then. Do we even know when I did that interview with him, Paulie, for ESPN, the magazine? The magazine? Because I'm thinking it, it, it's probably maybe not 15 years ago, but well, I've been gone from the mothership 13 oh, years. Seven. It was after, I think it was 06. You interviewed him... 06, I think, for the magazine. You interviewed him maybe th- three years later on, on the Dan Patrick show. No, or we had him on when he won his second Super Bowl. Yeah. Whatever and, year that was, the second Super Bowl. I think that was also 06. And then I interviewed him prior to the Eagles Super Bowl for NBC. Yes. Yeah. Um, he had some interesting quotes on Howard Stern. He said uh, he knew before the start of last season that would be his last year as a Patriot. Um. Brady occasionally smoked marijuana in high school. Hash pipe Tommy. Is that a hashtag? <laughs> Hash pipe. Look at you. <laughs> well done. Thank you, Todd. T-shirt. <laughs> oh, great. Hash pipe, Hash pipe Tommy. <laughs> That's great. Uh, we'll clean it up. We got Hank Aaron set to join us. Uh, Brady at one point told Belichick, don't put in a wide receiver because he's not going to throw him the ball. All right, we'll look at some of these other quotes here. Final hour coming up on this Wednesday. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. 